Chapter Twenty Four of the Real Oscar Wilde by Robert Sherard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Oscar Wilde has given in De Profundis some indication of his state of mind after his conviction and definite return to jail. He tells us that he had constantly in his mind the thought of suicide. I do not, however, believe that he ever had the serious intention of committing such an act. For one thing, the means were wanting for another he was very closely watched and then again whatever his hopes of acquittal may have been he must have been prepared for what happened public prejudice was so strong against him that there was no possibility of an escape this had been pointed out to him and i believe that he expected to be convicted though he did not anticipate receiving so severe a sentence i had told him that it would be self-deception to expect anything but a conviction if he stayed on in england and then he said what do you think the sentence will be why the maximum of course i answered two years hard labour oh not two years robert he said pathetically as though i had anything to do with it not two years i could not stand two years again before his trial he had spent a long time in prison most unjustly as sir edward clark pointed out unjust no doubt it was but as things turned out it was a good thing for him it accustomed him to confinement to the loss of liberty to the absence of tobacco and extreme abstemiousness in the use of alcohol the association with criminals would to a man of his instinctive anarchism be no terror at all he was quite sincere when he said that he cared nothing about social distinctions he would probably consider the men whom he met in the prison corridors and in the exercise ground very much more interesting and not less respectable than the majority of the people whom he used to meet outside and as a writer he would find delight in the exercise of his powers of observation as an irishman he would see much less disgrace in imprisonment than an anglo-saxon he would enjoy the interest shown in him and the deference paid towards him as a criminal demarque by warders and prisoners and as a man of wide reading he would remember that many men his intellectual peers had suffered far worse duress than this he would think of tolstoy and sense his indifference to the discomforts of the life and his utter contempt for what disgrace the world might see in imprisonment under a bourgeois regime he would remember dostoevsky and his knout scarred back dostoevsky and his house of the dead compared with which wandsworth jail was a comfortable abode and possibly he might remember a passage in crime and punishment where the examining magistrate bids raskolnikov not to dread prison for prison calms the culprit for the rest for his calm the prison doctors would provide he slept a deep sleep that first night in wandsworth jail and on subsequent nights during the daytime he wondered at the dullness of his sensations the anticipated mental agony had none of the acuteness he had dreaded the whole thing seemed like an evil dream but objective rather than subjective i fancied that this would be so and on my first visit to the prison as i was coming away from the parloir 
I said to the warder, Bromides, I suppose. And buckets of it, said the warder. It is a curious circumstance, and testifies to his inherent histrionism, that his principal suffering, a moral one, seems to have been caused by having to wear the hideous and grotesque costume that English prisoners are dressed in. It will be remembered how he wrote to Smithers, The horror of prison life is the contrast between the grotesqueness of one's aspect and the tragedy of one's soul. He refers to the same thing both in De Profundis and The Ballad of Reading Jail. One has always tried to console oneself about his prison life with the reflection that, as he undoubtedly improved in health while he was confined, and that as he always attached far more importance to the physical than to the mental, both as regards comfort and suffering, he may very likely have endured less than one supposed. When a man feels himself getting better and better, he cannot be altogether unhappy, and as against the hideousness of his zany attire he could set for consolation the fact that his stoutness decreased gradually he would derive real satisfaction from this for he dreaded more than anything a fullness of habit when he went to prison he was indeed getting fatter and fatter when he came out his figure was an excellent one the fat had disappeared and his muscle had developed with regard to his far greater dread for physical than for mental suffering, I have often heard him express himself to that effect. It was physical pain so much worse than anything mental, he often said. He took the greatest care of himself. During all the years that I knew him, I never once saw him ill or in pain of any kind. In one of his letters he speaks of having suffered from a severe attack of asthma, but I never heard of it, and I fancy it must have been invented as an excuse for not doing something that his correspondent wanted. Ransom attributed to him a certain disease, and added that it was the final cause of his death. I see that, in his new edition, Mr. Ransom omits this indiscretion. I can only say that, during the seventeen years, I never saw in Wilde the slightest sign of a malady which has a very distinct way of announcing its existence, a disease which certainly does not hide its fatal light under any bushel whatsoever. The fact is, the man had a wonderful constitution, just as he had a wonderful brain. My first visit to him at Wandsworth was on 25th August, when, in the hideous prison parlance, he was due for his first quarterly visit the ticket entitled two friends to visit the prisoner, but, not being in touch with Ross at the time, I could find nobody to go with me. I must have said something about this, because I find amongst my letters one of rebuke from Alfred Douglas, who says that it is absurd of me to say that I could find nobody to come with the prison with me, when there were hundreds of Wilde's friends who would have only been too glad of the opportunity. No doubt, only they did not come forward. Wilde seemed very much broken, but what he complained of most was that he was allowed only one book a week to read. Later on, under a more humane governor elsewhere, he was allowed a sufficiency of literature, and his friends were permitted to send books to the prison for him, the only stipulation being that these should remain the property of the prison library. He told me that he was reading Newman and Pater, 
but he spoke without enthusiasm we looked at each other and simultaneously burst into a painful laugh at that time he was picking oakum for his task and his nails were broken and bleeding this oakum picking is a cruel task a hard labour prisoner is bound under penalties to pick four pounds of the tarred rope in his dog it is impossible for anybody but the most skilled the very old prison lag that this is so i tested one day there was a magistrate friend of mine who used to hand out sentences of hard labour without realising to what he was condemning the prisoners one day after visiting the local workhouse where oakum picking is one of the tasks imposed on the casuals who more fortunate in this respect than the convicts do get some satisfaction out of the nasty stuff by smoking it faute de mieux in their pipes i brought home a handful of the raw material and asked my friend to see what he could make of it he lent himself to the experiment and picked away diligently for half an hour he was a man very quick with his fingers at the end of half an hour his nails beginning to break and the tips of his fingers becoming sore he declared that he had had more than enough of the task but look he added pointing to a large pile of the fluffy fibre what a heap i've managed to pick i asked him to come with me into the kitchen where i commandeered the domestic scales the big heap of picked oakum on which the worthy j p had been working his very hardest for thirty minutes weighed very much less than two ounces i recorded that i found oscar wilde in a terrible state of suffering and this announcement on my part brought me the approval of alfred douglas who wrote me to say that it was the right thing to tell the truth that he was sick of hearing people say that oscar was bearing up wonderfully and things of that sort of course i know he wrote that he is in hell and it is well that people should know it also i visited wilde again a few weeks later and had a long interview with him in a private room and not the vault-like crypt where i had first seen him nor were there any double rows of bars between us he seemed then much better in health and spirits and as he was quite au courant with the news of the day i gathered that he had at last been able to learn of the resources of the prison and to make use of them in the meanwhile his friends were agitating for his release the parisian press which had shown him scant mercy at the time of his trial saw in his prison sufferings an opportunity i repeat that this was before the days of the entente cordiale to attack la perfide albion and did not spare its criticisms of the barbarity of les rats-les-bourgs as they pronounced it the parisian literature headed by mr stuart merrill sent in petitions the american special correspondent sent over sensational accounts of how wilde was being tortured to death the authorities at the home office seemed to have realised what the outcry would be if wilde died in jail and though they steadfastly refused to consider any question of reducing his sentence they recommended c three three to the special attention of the prison doctor and governor i think that wilde would have had a better chance of some alleviation of his sentence if it had not been for the misguided championship not only of some of his friends but of certain people who believing him guilty started an insane campaign to prove that what they called the greek movement 
had no essence of criminality in it that it was pure philistinism to object to it and that if guilty wilde should be considered a martyr to puritanical prejudice for my part i considered with the gravest apprehension any attempts to palliate his guilt if indeed he were guilty which i did not and could not believe when i heard that lord alfred douglas was projecting an article in la revue blanche which as i understood was to defend wilde on aesthetic grounds i was so seriously alarmed as to what the consequences might be to the prisoner that i telegraphed to the editor whom i happened to know following up my telegram with a long letter in which i pointed out how ill wilde's interest would be served by the publication of any such article this brought me a long abusive letter from alfred douglas to which in his book he refers as my proper answer he then told me that he had withdrawn the article eventually an article did appear very much more mischievous to my thinking than the one originally projected as to this article alfred douglas has since disclaimed all responsibility attributing it to the imagination of some journalist who interviewed him and faked his answers i may dismiss the subject by mentioning that i have a manuscript document referring to this article but in views of the laws of copyright i prefer not to reproduce it the prison doctor put wilde in the infirmary and reported in such a way to the home office that a further examination of the prisoner was deemed expedient the report was that there was some danger lest the man's mind might be affected by the strain upon him in consequence two experts were sent down from the home office to observe wilde now on the afternoon when these two pathologists came to the prison oscar wilde happened to be in one of his cheerful moods delighting as always in an appreciative audience he was entertaining his fellow patients in the infirmary ward with his jokes and anecdotes and a jolly time was in progress while the two experts were watching the prisoner through the observation spy-hole some doctors might have found in this spectacle some cause for alarm a man of high social standing and the most brilliant intellect taking obvious pleasure in amusing a collection of petty criminals just as judges and juries had seen criminality in the same man for delighting in similar audiences when at large but men are always more prone to condemn than to absolve and the result was that the expert without any further inquiry returned to whitehall to announce that wilde was perfectly sane and seemed quite happy no doubt the fresh proof that he had afforded of his taste for low and criminal company was duly noted against him when eventually a petition was prepared by quote, some eminent persons in high positions in the church and the learned professions whose calling and character place them beyond the suspicion of having any prejudice in favour of the prisoner or of any laxity of view with regard to offences of the kind for which wilde was convicted unquote, in which special stress was laid upon the danger to the man's mentality an intimation was received from the home secretary that it would be useless to present it as quote, the case of this prisoner has been the subject of careful inquiry and consideration and that as a result the home secretary has come to the conclusion that no grounds medical or other exist which would justify him in advising any mitigation of the sentence Unquote. one good result 
and oscar wilde would have been delighted to know of it that came from the universal outcry against the barbarities of le hard labour was that the attention of the authorities was at last drawn to the report of the departmental committee on prisons which recommended that quote, the power to earn remission of sentence should be extended from convict to local prisons unquote. this has now been done and there is no doubt that poor wilde's sufferings helped to bring this about i think that one of the few serious purposes he had in life when he left prison was to try to do something to reform the english prison system his letters to the daily chronicle his ballad of reading jail much in de profundis are evidence of this and to some extent affected his purpose he may have been projecting some book exclusively on this subject for some time after his death his landlord showed me the books he'd left behind him and amongst these was a copy of john howard's work and various magazines in which there were articles on prison life in england that nothing came of this purpose as nothing came of all his other purposes of work has been malevolently attributed to the life he was constrained to lead after he left prison it is said that he did not work because he was drinking the terrible fact is that he was drinking because he could not work he was seeking in the palpable hell of being unable to produce because his brain was exhausted the artificial paradise that alcohol affords he was in need of money how badly is shown by lord alfred douglas's narrative how he supplied him with food and cash during the last year of his life he could have earned a good income for theatre managers offered him commissions indeed one very well-known man came specially over to berneval to try to induce him to write a play for his theatre but the poor fellow simply could not produce he had outlived his mental powers as many men of the greatest intellect do i think that it was because this had been observed already then that the ancients declared that those whom the gods love die young napoleon wore himself out in exactly the same way and at about the same age and napoleon has never been accused of intemperance this must have been wilde's greatest suffering to realize that he was finished a long period of anxiety during which the hapless brain diverted from its ordinary functions never rests produces this effect for napoleon there had been the french campaign and the broodings at elba during two years in prison wilde's brain had been driven beyond powers of recuperation it may be noted that willie wilde suffered in the same way towards the end of his life once the most brilliant and most fertile writer to whom production was as delightful as it was easy in the last years he simply was unable to produce and writhed in despair as this fact forced itself upon him i often think when meditating on the mental collapse of the wilde brothers of that story of alphonse daudet's the man with the brain of gold it tells of a man whose head was full of gold who when he wanted to spend money had but to dig his fingers into his brain and who for some time led a life of splendour and opulence as time went on the supply became less abundant in the end the scrapings which he could with difficulty obtain were tinged with blood there was a great change for the better in wilde's appearance and manner after major nelson took over the direction of reading jail 
i considered the governor to whom he succeeded very very well unsuitable for a prison governor i remember once meeting him in the yard after with a friend i had left the visiting room my friend suggested that i should speak to him and ask him how wilde was getting on i told him that i surely could not muster up the courage to address him he looked so very bristly then my friend went up to him and a sarcastic counter-interrogation was all the answer he got to his question on another occasion when i was with the same friend in the visiting-room which was divided into a double row of hutches one row being for the prisoners and the other for their friends wilde asked me if i would mind retiring as he wished to speak in private with my companion i fancy now it must have been about de profundis but my companion never mentioned what it was and i of course never asked him i refer to this because in my book the story of an unhappy friendship i allude to this incident as follows on this occasion he asked me to absent myself for a few moments while he talked to the gentleman who would come with me and in the grey gloom of the prison corridor where i waited till this conference from which i was excluded was over it dawned upon me that my long friendship fruitful as it had been in sorrow might reserve for the future another sorrow and the disappointment of a wasted effort at the time that i wrote that i knew nothing about de profundis and could not imagine what wilde might want to speak about in private unless to ask for news of unworthy associates i am glad of the opportunity of correcting the false impression that my words may have produced the visits to reading were painful in the extreme but i loved going there and wilde knew this one day shortly before he was due for another visit i received a letter from him in which he said it is important that two friends should visit me at reading on the occasion of my next at home and so as i know how disappointed you will be i have obtained permission from the governor to write you this special letter and hope you will take it as a compensation i was not only glad to go there but i did not mind people knowing that i went there with the result of course that many unpleasant things were said about me in the papers i did not have the privilege of meeting him when he came out of prison but met him again not very long afterwards at dieppe in france End of chapter twenty four